0: Hi, you're listening to a Private View podcast, a weekly podcast that selects from the radio show the best of artist interviews. On today's show, I'm speaking with Kojo Marfo, who developed an interest in art and visual culture through traditional artifacts, sculptures, and carvings that he was exposed to as a child growing up in Ghana. He talks about growing up. He talks about the women who influenced his life, including his grandmother, the healer, Uh, And he talks about the strength he gets from the artifacts he looks at combined with a life in London that has a tolerance for religion and politics and spiritualism. The work itself has a a richness and traveled, all-encompassing cultural embrace that creates a new look in figurative painting that you won't forget quickly. I'm going to start the interview we did with him on the air last week. Kojo Marfa, hello. Thank you for coming. Hello, thank you. (laughs) There's something about your art and there's something about a couple of things that we were talking about after, talking about on air on the show, after I listened to you in Dr. David Bellingham. That's his name, Dr. David Bellingham. Correct. Uh, And I remember, and correct me if I'm wrong, one of the things you talked about is at a time now where everyone's dealing with diversity in museums and galleries, you mentioned something that I loved so much. You said, I I do get called... I do get said I'm from Ghana, but actually I'm also from London. And when I go back and... About these identity crises that happen when you're you're kind of asked to be that person. It's it's really
1: funny because anywhere you go, even though we all talk about people not fitting in and people um, everyone has been pushed to kind of be part of everything but the reality is the moment you leave one area or the moment you spend years in one place you become part of the whole system even though you don't actually look apart but the moment you leave you move yourself from that area then other people or maybe the community that you belong to when you go there they see difference they see the way you talk, the way you do things, Dress, everything is the think, different. The way you think, the way you eat. Yeah. And
0: I can say this to you because I moved to London in the 80s <laughs> for the first time and people still ask me every day where I'm from. <laughs> and if I go back to Canada, I don't they don't know who I am, they don't recognize the that's way I true. am. It's so subtle, but when you said that, I sparked up because for me that's true as well. And I think London is a gift for all well, artists. But I mean, also- it's the
1: biggest university for anyone. Come on, what? What was it, that? It is the biggest university for anyone, any every human being, wherever you come from. The moment you walk into this area, you this city, you become um, you start learning. I mean, there are so many cultures, and um, you don't have to travel to another country to actually learn about cultures. So sometimes when I hear people say, "Oh, I don't know this," I don't, know. and I just thought, you walk around the corner, you're definitely gonna meet somebody. come from a different place and it's easy for you to actually if you open yourself up to accept people it's easy for you to actually get to know people and um, understand them too yes there are other factors that push people not to actually connect with people which is fine it's their choice but if you want to learn I think it's easy to learn in this city
0: I couldn't agree more (laughs) and 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 it is it you know I spent a lot of time arranging a move to London, and I couldn't agree with you more. But what I do want to talk to you about is is why painting? Why did you choose to be a painter? Let's start from the beginning. Are your parents painters? Did you grow up in an artistic community? Were you encouraged at school to be a painter? All the things that we think have to happen for that.
1: I, n- n- my mom was a trader. Um, my dad... Not much. Um um my grandmom was also a trader so um a lot of the people that i know um were not into art but i grew up around um in a place where everyone was sculpting and um carving so this area had a massive influence on my artistic journey to be frank
0: part of the thing about uh, knowing if your parents were were artists or not, is for me, I had to try to convince my parents, who were very worried about me, (laughs) that I'd be able to make a living in the art world. I think the first hurdle you have to cross is to convince your parents that you'll be okay.
1: I never had that problem. Um, I think the problem I had was when I started referencing traditional African art, which are not really art, these are gods. I think that's where there was a little bit of problem. Like, why are you referencing these things? These things are not, um, they're not something you have to play with. So why are you, are you trying to bring some voodoo? Are you trying to do this? Are you trying to do that? So it was actually a very, it was. That's a, so Interesting. It was um, a bit different. But So so that was the first
0: kind of conflict you had yeah, with that your was family the conflict over your own. Um,
1: my mom is Jehovah's Witness. Um my grandma is Catholic, is religious, I mean Christian, so it was Yeah,
0: and it's the found, founding principles, mine yeah. as well. I Even though get my great
1: grandma was a traditional healer, it was um they all know everything about it, but at the same time so they don't there's a line between going sort of like tackling traditional war well, in the west they call it art um, the gods and also talking about art so it's between basically talking about art and leave those artifacts beside or if you want to go deep into that then you have to actually open your eyes and understand these things before you talk about it so I was actually in the middle and I thought okay rather than talking about gods and stuff like that i will rather talk about humanity talk about human conditions and stuff like that so as kind of switch from referencing these things to actually use the images to talk about um, human conditions
0: which is actually powerful because that whole idea of the principles of a God or something some of us are trying to achieve in terms of goodness and being humane and being loving everyone and not judging everyone would you agree to that
1: i I come from a background like I said there are so many beliefs and different different groups in there, so I was actually sort of like giving this platform whereby it's hard for me to judge and it's easy for me to embrace and understand people so um i do i mean I have Catholics there have charismatic um Christians in my family I have all sort of people in my family so it it was easy, easy for you yeah it was easy for me to embrace other cultures and other religious beliefs and I kind of like enjoy and most often I try to kind of pretend I understand everything or I know everything but I don't but the whole thing is I just don't want the other person to feel like they are not being listening to or anything like and i just want everyone around me to feel like yeah i'm embracing your culture i'm embracing your religion i'm embracing anything that you think i may not know i know it and it kind of makes every conversation easy because most often people who are religious when they find out that you actually understand their religion they embrace you like their brother or sister and it makes it easy than me going on like um yeah what's that what's that about <laughs> trying to kind of ask questions about your religion and they put people on the edge like then they have to start everything from the beginning but then when you make them feel like yeah you you do know a lot about the religion it makes them feel easy about it why do i feel like an
0: influence of your healer grandmother has come (laughs) through you with your art Uh, she was
1: doing everything for um people she was a healer so a lot of people go to her for um medicine and stuff like that so it was easy and she doesn't discriminate who is coming in for the medicines so it just makes it easy for me to deal with other people too without looking deep into their intentions
0: where does she live now
1: um no she's not alive.
0: did she move to london
1: no my mom actually lived here But that's it
0: okay Now, this is all before. We've had this entire chat before I've even gone to the questions (laughs) I sent you, so I hope you're okay with that. I'm going to go through the questions in case anyone's as overwhelmed with Kojo as I am. Tell us about what you do at the moment. Um, Tell us about the moment you think was the starting point for you as an artist, to become an artist, to commit to.
1: I think... um Everything became a bit more clearer when I moved to London. Um, in the nineties, yeah, late sort of nineties. From where? Um, from Ghana, basically. I lived in um, America a bit, but um, spent all my life in my adult life in um, England. Um, from Ghana, um, art was very. I um, mean, you move to England. Anywhere you go, you you. Anywhere you go, you actually. Um, hear people talk about art and most often a lot of people in England always knows about Picasso they know about Van Gogh they know about all this and any time you mention it you, you do say to people like you are an artist the first thing they say to you is oh I hope you know one of these crazy guys who end up cutting his hair." so automatically everyone assumed that being an artist you're just some kind of weird crazy fool <laughs> i don't know why but in england is very um everyone knows about these guys and um but my artistic journey actually kicked off in england um properly i would say in england because um when i first came here i wanted to study art but to a point i I wasn't really feeling it and um i think (sighs) I think higher education wasn't for me I wasn't actually um anytime I tried to go deep into higher education to to get a degree or something like that to also prove a point that I've actually done <laughs> have this degree most often when I start thinking about it I just thought now um it wasn't for me so um I started doing my own um I would say research um about art and um uh those before me so i was actually reading a lot about these guys um picasso um, um a lot of all these guys i was reading about them and um they all sort of have a different take and different idea about art and it kind of helped me because um At one point I just thought you know what instead of going to study art and learn what everyone else is doing I could actually do it all by myself and um, just do it by intuition and um, just push it and do something different and that probably that was my kind of um, journey but everything started in England here I was I learned how to paint and how to um, draw in Ghana but I never took all these things very serious until um, I settled in England that's when everything sort of took off
0: would you call yourself a figurative painter
1: yes I will call myself a figurative painter but at the same time too um, I will also call myself a painter because um, I'm one of those artists who constantly um, changing styles and ideas so um, I'm constantly experimenting so I will I will accept figurative painter, but as time goes on, I may start doing sculptures and stuff like that. So I'm always um, changing styles. So. Open. Yeah.
0: As you are with people, you are with I art. I am
1: always like that.
0: <laughs> There's a question I want to ask you Go about that, it. yeah. but it's not on the list. Yeah? Can I ask Go you anyway? Go for Oftentimes when artists find they have pieces that sell, the exploration stops because they start... Getting attached to the money they they make,
1: artists. for the, they become commercial artists you are that's a very interesting question which I go I, I mean a lot of people ask me this question a lot about are you going to be doing this because it's now selling and I'll be like now nah. I'm one of those artists who constantly um, changing I'm constantly changing and um, even these images that are created for the show um everyone keep on asking me that are you gonna be creating these images in the future and the answer always is no um i'm always i'm kind of in constant evolution it's like i'm always changing and um i'll i'll come out i may end up painting um people i may start painting likeness of likeness of real people i may start painting i may jump into still art i may there's so many chances i might do something um It's about the exploration. Yeah, it is about exploration exploration and um,
0: and self discovery. (laughs) And I sense because of what we've talked about there, and I I don't mean to sound like I'm commercially saying (laughs) spiritual, but it sounds like you're on a spiritual rather than on a capitalistic path. And I know that even sounds commercial. Yeah,
1: it sounds commercial, but I'm not actually a commercial. I, I do try as much as I could to move away from overpopulating one particular art style like overpopulating it most often what i do is say to myself if i create a style or an idea all i want to do is create a bit more so that i establish and a lot of people will kind of connect to that image wherever they see they'll be like oh, yeah that's gorgeous sir. i like to kind of create that and i always want to be in that same <clears throat> i want people to speak to me i speak about i mean just like the way they will basically speak about um picasso or um van gogh or any of these guys i want them to relate to um the work i want them to have connection with the work and anywhere they see the work they'll be like, "Oh, that's kujus work so for that reason i wanted to create different images and different styles so that people could actually i'll confuse them by, by a lot of people will look at them and be like no that's not kujus but then when they look deep they will be like oh yeah that's one of his earliest or late or whatever images
0: is this idea it doesn't matter what the artist is exploring, you'll start to notice the exploration Correct. rather than the medium they're using. Yeah. So before I get lost in this, mm-hmm. I wanna you have a great exhibition up at J D. Mallet called Dreaming of
1: Identity. Dreaming of Identity, yes. Do you
0: wanna tell us a little bit about yeah. this, including when it's on until
1: which I Dreaming of Identity is um Usually I love playing with words. And I know at the moment in this particular period we're in, um, there is a lot of identity problems going on out there. There is identity politics is way up there. And um, a lot of people who don't understand the idea behind it may think I'm playing some kind of identity card. And they're like, oh, what's going on here? What's all this identity? But the idea idea is basically to talk about people that I've met in my time in this country this city um, it's more or less like I'm paying homage to these wonderful excellent people that I've met and um, there's something about us humanity human beings we anything you see anything you hear most often it stays in there you can never unsee or hear things so there are times I'll, I'll put my head down and I start thinking and I remember people like what somebody said to me some years back and well, if i mean some of them could be nasty some of them could be nice and um i was thinking about all these things and i thought the mind could actually take you to so many places so why can't i just um create um pieces um to pay homage to all these good bad and not so nice people i mean i don't have to identify them but Just put it out there.
0: But I can see them. And I know there's a few places called Stranger Number One, the flowers around the woman's aura, let's say. Or Stranger Number Two, where there's two different sides to the person. Or Stranger Number Three, where someone's cloaked. Um, Stranger Number Four, Stranger Number Five. But then we get into different titles. And I wondered if you could talk a little bit about your titles. There's one in there
1: called Dowager.
0: Dowager, Uh, yes. Dowager
1: is. is, I was actually, I mean, I come from Ghana, so um, I'm always comparing um, whenever I hear things or whenever people tell me their struggles. Unfortunately, because where I come from, I I can't really switch off and say, right, I'm going to agree with you based on what you're saying. I always try to compare. So um, Dawijao is about, in this society, it seems uh, being a single mother is so many things that it's attached to it you actually it is being a single mother is like you being stigmatized you you are nothing yeah i mean yeah. but where i come from being a single mother you are actually a wealthy person and um i wanted to title it like that but then i just thought no i'm not gonna go there i'd rather go dowager yeah. because um my culture we inherit from our mother and um so i I come. My mom was a, I mean, my mom was a single mother. I didn't even know what single mother is. There was. Yeah. There's no word in my language that says single mother. So then I came to England. and single mother, single parent, single this, single that, and then um, I tried to kind of get my head around it. But where I come from being a single mother, you're actually a wealthy person. It's a
0: good observation. Because sometimes I think it's an economic term more than anything about the parenting. This is a way you deal with the government and it's about money and and the distribution of wealth. And I think that's what you're noticing. Because where I come from, which isn't that, you know, we all speak the same language Mm -hmm. virtually. It's not stigmatized
1: Mm -hmm, either. mm -hmm, So mm
0: -hmm. I think in England there's an economic
1: yeah, I mean, factor uh, you hear, in
0: identifying that way. It means you you're mother, for, A
1: single yeah, mother, and yeah. it's like someone who is struggling to pay bills or feed their children. But even though I come from Africa, and um, most often in Africa, Africans are in poverty. It's like <laughs> brother and sister. It's like whoa, you African, you coming from poverty? But I never saw poverty. I never saw my mom struggling. Because I never, there's community. Correct. I never saw my mom complaining. So then you move into this place that's supposed to be a wealthy nation and then single parent this like, motherhood is like a poor woman with four children and she's not able to even look after the children. And It saddened me because um, I look at that and I'm like, no, that, that tag, the tag they actually, the way they tagging single mothers is not the best way because... Yes, even in this society, not all of them are struggling. A lot of them are happy in their singlehood and um, enjoying life to the fullest. And um, No, but I- what
0: you're talking about really ties into now and identi- identity politics and the power of words. And you're coming from... A different culture and listening to words and going that word doesn't sound empowering Mm-mm. it sounds like it's uh, actually putting the person down. marginalizing yeah, yeah, or putting yeah, them down and and this whole re-examination about words and what words mean is part of what you're you're working on too it, I feel it's, it's,
1: it's, it's, and then uh, I mean the identity side was based on these um, stories like the dowager because I just thought, I was actually gonna attach it different, and I thought no that would just makes more sense, so rather than putting a single mother or something which is a bit too cliche, I just thought I'm gonna go Dowager because I mean where I come from, being a single mother, I mean I come from that background, and it was it's all happiness. we were really enjoying it. I never saw my mom complaining one day she's. Happy. My great-grandma was single till she died. She was a happy woman. Yeah,
0: yeah, there's something in it. <laughs> they I were happy
1: people. I never saw anyone mourning about life and how difficult life is. And so, do you
0: see it in England?
1: I'm um, here a lot. I hear a lot, <laughs> I hear a lot um, in the media. I mean, you read and you watch TV, and uh, and uh, most often, too, I think people. Um, made them make people who are single mothers i don't know if it's patronizing or something like that and the way they'll write about them oh a single mother with um blah 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 children and look um, and they people patronize them as well so if you are a single mother um you also feel like that because you've been they've stigmatized patronized. yeah you've been patronized to a point that you just most often the language you hear them talk about is poverty talk about struggles and i never had my mom do that
0: What was the first artist you loved and why? That was Picasso.
1: Um,
0: There was a lot of single (laughs) women in his life.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That was was Picasso. Um, um, Picasso was the first artist, I will say Western artist, apart from the guys that I grew up seeing sculpting and carving, he was the first Western artist that I saw. Um, Where did you I, see Picasso? I saw his book actually um and then read about his um journey to Nigeria and um uh, basically seeing all these um uh, Benin um, artifacts and reading about how those artifacts actually um, um had an influence on his um artworks it kind of like made me feel um I don't know. I just read it. The first time I read it, I was like, oh, so this man traveled all the way from where he, in- actually, we used to say it like from abroad to Nigeria. I mean, I'm a Ghanaian, but when I saw it, I was like, to Nigeria to be inspired by this. So when I moved down here and I started um, painting, I was like, you know, rather than looking for inspiration here, I'm rather going to take my mind way back to where I come from to actually find something there. To, um, to to use it to create my own images so Picasso was um, the biggest influence
0: I'm going to give you a choice of two you tell me which one you want to go to next uh, first one is what writers have the biggest impact on you and second one is if you can own any artwork from the past to the present what would it be and
1: why from, you pick which one you want to answer from the past. Um, I'll go for um, both, actually. If it's yeah, I like that. From the past, I'll say Picasso present. Which Picasso? Um, there's this Picasso artwork that I've taken a lot of photos with. I don't even know the title of it. That's okay. It's it's it's, it's an artwork um, I saw in um, Tate Morden And it's still, I think it's still there in Tate Morden And um, it's one of those artworks that I walk in first and I do standing in front pose, take yeah. a photo. I've never posted it to actually... Work out even the title or read anything about it. It's just it's so appealing that when I see it, I just walk straight to it.
0: That's so nice because um, so many people get stuck on the titles and they don't look at yeah, the artwork. Yeah, I, I don't.
1: I don't really. I, for me, I mean, usually I don't. <laughs> I don't even read what's written on it. It's just that That's picture um, draws you in. And where it is if you walk through? Um, the gallery like you, you approaching it you could actually feel the energy. You could feel like that artwork is connected um, with you. And actually maybe after today I'll have to go and check a bit more about <laughs> about the title and the period. But at I Tate Britain? Had, yeah Tate Modern
0: at Tate Modern. I, I was gonna actually... say Paula Rego's opening at Tate Britain. <laughs> <laughs> she kinda reminds me of you too, Paula Rego in a way.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I like I like a bit But not all
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's okay That's good So you've got your Picasso What if there was a piece of art
1: currently? um, It's um, called Dust Head by Jean-Michel Basquiat I know And this is my honest sort of um, opinion about that artwork Um, When I first saw it um, I I was like It was was this guy playing with crayons or something like that And um, it's one of those things you see and you start asking yourself questions, and then the more I keep on going back to that artwork, I kind of fell in love with the artwork it's, um, it's one of those at the moment, everyone is sort of copying everyone is sort of copying that, his style and everything. But the truth is, when I first saw the dust set, I saw it in America, actually, a photo of it in America, and then I was like, "What is this?" And then I started thinking that the guy was actually playing with crayons or um, pastels, and I was oil I, sticks. Yeah, yeah, I was. I was constantly asking myself questions. I didn't understand it. I was like, "What is this? Why did the person did and like that's that?" That's the one you like. Yeah, and um, since then it has actually always sort of stays in my head. And um, anytime I see artwork, and it's very sad because anytime I see any artwork that's similar to that, I connect. To Basquiat, and I don't know why I do that. Well,
0: There's a few things you've said in there that I can see why you like it. First of all, that sense of play and yeah, playfulness, yeah. which is where creatives live when they're not mass producing things. They're not
1: yeah. He's not a commercial. Artists. He wasn't a commercial artist. He was just a normal artist, and he was expressing himself the way he wants it. And I like it like that. And he wasn't actually. Um, like he didn't go through the um the art colleges and university so he was actually doing things from his soul it was a soul kind of thing doing everything from his soul and i think he did it most of his artworks were really amazing because he was doing it not with any technical um background or anything like that he was just producing and he wasn't creating like the same works every in all his works are totally different in terms of the images that Um, appears in the works so he was actually a genius I never actually I only got to know a bit about him in late around 2010 it's sad because I when I first saw his work I was like wow but all this time I never saw anything like no image I saw the one image in America and that was it and um, yeah since I've discovered his work in 2010 I've been a big fan the
0: whole world is I mean you couldn't that he's really more powerful now than he was i mean he was powerful in his day but yeah. what's happening now with the basquiat the foundation the way his work is moving it's wonderful and if there's angels around in the art yeah world.
1: <laughs> no he's he's actually he i said i didn't actually got to know uh, see his work when i was growing up but obviously maybe with the way he was creating back then i mean a lot of people were not really because i come from a background where all these traditional painters were like more sort of highlighted than the, the young ones in the eighties. I there was a time I used to think Picasso can, was in a different world, because <laughs> at a young age my brain was thinking like nineteen fifty something. It's like he it was a different planet. <laughs> but yeah, it might
0: have been for single mothers. <laughs>
1: Well, <laughs> it, 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 Basquiat is amazing artist, very wonderful guy, and um, all his images personally is just masterpieces.
0: Picasso and Basquiat,
1: yeah.
0: What about writers?
1: Writers, there's one writer. Um, the book, um, I, I mean, that was something that was common at school. Anyone from West Africa, have obviously, read that um, by a guy. What was it called? It's th- things fall apart. Okay. By and. Niche Let me find his name. I don't know. I'm always sort of like. Don't worry. Um, Achebe something. What was it about it? Um, it was a book about um life in a village. Um, his name is actually Chinua, Chinua Achebe. Chinua Achebi. And um, apart from him, um, another writer. But he had a, a he had a profound sort of um effect on the way i see the world i live in and he's american It's called baldwin um james james baldwin, baldwin. it's a I bit mean, political can't but get
0: any better than that
1: he, he, most of his writings are <laughs> initially i was struggling to understand a lot of the words he was using but um as i constantly keep on reading and reading um he's also uh, someone who left his culture to live abroad yeah, yeah. and um is political but it kind of makes sense everything he says makes sense and um now if you read his books and you look at now the world we're living in now everything so ahead of his time yeah everything makes sense and these two guys were um one from africa and one well african-american living in europe or, or yeah <laughs>
0: okay what's the reason for art i feel like through the conversation everything we've talked about underscores this question because it it seems to me you're also looking for the reason for art.
1: Yeah. um, As uh, much as living it. Yeah. It was... um, I I mean, I wanted to use... I was initially using it to start a conversation, to um, talk about human conditions, talk about life in general, and also to use it to talk about anything I felt like... um, I mean I chose art because it was easy for me to um, recreate certain images in my own understanding and um, use it to talk about social issues so but there's
0: an activism in
1: your work as well a
0: small a activism
1: initially initially but then I realized that if I don't take care and I go deep to I become a boring sort of a guy who is constantly talking about people who have been neglected by governments and states and stuff like that and um, I realized that people don't really want to know that they want hope. They just want to hear something. Yeah, they just want to hear something positive. So I kind of gradually switched from talking about people's um, <laughs> problems to um, try and talk about talk about the problems, but also align it with um, 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 anything that I kind of feel like well uplift people
0: was there an experience I think we may have hit on this but I just want to give you a chance to revisit it was there a cultural experience or something that happened that changed the way you viewed the world
1: yeah I mean moving into a melting pot like this um, this city um, changed me this city raised me this city made me a man and I'm living in the city like this meeting new people and trying to fit in and trying to kind of um, get my head around um, everything. Um, It it changed my understanding of... um, My concept of living was totally different, but then when I moved to this city, it changed my understanding of how to live with people. So, yes, the city played a major part. The city of London played a major part in my... um, my artistic journey and um that also changed the way I I see myself and um the way I interpret my work as well. So everything became be, everything became the people that I live with over here, everything was centered around the people in the city and the people I've met around the country as well. So these things changed my life and changed my understanding of art. And they also helped me to actually interpret issues um by hearing other stories and stuff like that also helped me
0: do you have a ritual when you go into the studio like <laughs> some people paint from photographs some people you know I, I we interviewed one guy who did yoga before he started
1: mine mine was um incidents of the day incidents of the day do you
0: paint at night
1: i do paint at night so um um most often i don't have any preconceived notion of what i'm doing but um troubles (laughs) troubles in this world always so sometimes i could pick up a newspaper or um listen to the news and something will trigger me and i'll be like okay what's triggered you recently um
0: the covid crisis covid
1: COVID, um, help everyone to actually think and then also brought a lot of things too it it actually helped the whole lockdown thing helped a lot of us to actually look at things deeply and it also brought a lot of rot (laughs) within the system we live in not just not here or america but the world over everyone then had a chance to actually look deep and um start looking for like basically looking deep into themselves and how they relate to one another and stuff like that so the covid helped but it also helped all of us to actually see that there is a problem. (laughs) A lot of us don't even know how to live with each other. And lockdown brought a lot of crazy stuff that we actually all learned that we were not actually good. Um we were not compatible. A lot of us actually realized that most people we live with, we were not actually compatible. And um lockdown kind of pushed all of us to live together for the first time for a whole year. Like hey you live together and then find a solution to your life and the most often we were all sort of like a lot of relationships went off a lot of friendships were damaged and politically so many things came up and people were struggling with it
0: guess what we have to go okay. so tell everyone where the show is
1: I have a show my new show um, it's in um, JD JD Mala Gallery in um Soho uh, Mayfair. <laughs> Mayfair on Davy Street yeah. Mayfair on Davy Street um it, it is on to um 17th of July yeah. dreaming of identity Look with for strangers. the black
0: and white floor
1: The black and white floor is is the main it, it, it is actually did a trick black and white floor did a trick and um Dreaming of Identity is on until um, 17th of um, July.
0: Unmissable. Thank you, Kojo, ah, thank for you being too. here. Please
1: go. I hope you enjoyed listening to my conversation with
0: Kojo Marfo as much as I enjoyed having it. Thank you for listening to A Private View with me, Maeve Doyle. We'll be back next week.